the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. National Championship in the books behind us. Today, we are already going to start looking at the outlook for 2023. It is way too early season, and dadgummit, you know we're going to come and contribute to the discourse because we got thoughts too. So, we're going to run down uh, what it's looking like, some of the way too early top 25s, how we would stack them up. Also, uh, there has been a lot of ongoing conversation around the calendar for college football, the early signing period, maybe moving it. Uh, a lot of talk about the way December has been. Greg Sankey told us in Los Angeles that all the coaches say it's crushing them. Bud, uh, as, for those of you watching live at youtube.com slash cover three, you see he is still at the coaches convention. We'll get some insight there. Plus headlines like Lincoln Riley, a vote of confidence for his defensive coordinator. Okay, uh, Spencer Rattler coming back to South Carolina and uh, a lot of buzz on the recruiting side of things. Maybe more on that later, but want to begin with a very simple question. Is it, is it so simple that even with, uh, you know, we're, we're losing two-time, all-everything, JAG++++, plus 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 Stetson Bennett, you know, we're saying goodbye to a couple offensive linemen. We're obviously say, saying goodbye to Jalen Carter. Given what is coming back, something that we discussed in the uh, reaction pod on Monday night, does every way too early top 25 list need to start with Georgia? No, Georgia's probably going to be seven and five or six and six <laughs> next year. Yeah, let's talk about that. Who, let's go. Who was out here with these? No, who fueled the no one was doubting, no one believed in us narrative? Kirby, Kirby's oh. making deep fakes. Like he's got the video yeah. team. That's what those analysts are. They've got, they're making deep fakes of every single analyst on ESPN, CBS Sports HQ got us all out here saying, oh, George is probably not even going to get to a bowl game next year. It's all Kirby doing impressions. Tom's right. So Kirby was on one of those saving staffs that made the fake articles before that one title game. Like mm -hmm. Bama did this. Before and Kirby was on that. Yes. Yeah, seriously. Did y'all know like, this story? Yeah. Yes. They definitely did. Oh, wow. <laughs> they will so use like that. That's an old trick. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I want somebody to make, like, create some, like, Kirby video with him, like, in a mustache and glasses and, like, him him just trashing the team saying, I think they'll be seven and five. They absolutely would do something like that. And maybe, you know, I, I know 
like in years past, I've been accused of not accused. Some people told me that my tweets have been used to fuel Bama, you know, in years past. And I guarantee you they come up with a list of tweets. And I don't think players know who half the analysts are, if they're real, fake, or not. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is find some tweet. And now it's easier than ever with a blue check mark. I know it wasn't then, but they'll create a tweet and say, man, these dogs are going to be awful next year, replacing five, you know, defensive first rounders. They're probably going to be seven and five. Bam, throw it up there. They don't care who the tweet is from. I also think there's a chance, man, maybe he just went to like some Russian bot army and created them just to troll every single player throughout the season. You guys suck. You guys are seven and five. I mean, if he did it, he should. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as nervous as Kirby Smart sounds right now about this team getting too high on his horse and the stuff he was saying, he was like, I think that winning it this year after losing all those guys is actually easier than winning it next year because all these guys are going to be back and, and not have that same hunger and fire that they had before. What did he call it? The entitlement disease? Like, he's he better fire up that bot army to be able to just pepper these guys with tweets all through the off season that they can't go and do it and that they're just not good enough. Because I mean, on my top pre, like I haven't nailed out every single position right now. I've got it in tiers one through four to five, 10, 11, 14, 15, 17, 18, 24 and the like, but Georgia's my number one. Georgia is a tier unto itself, right? Yes. Like there is Even nobody else. The next season. Be- like, like just, yes. Because look, like Stetson Bennett was a really good college player, but a lot of quarterbacks would have still won the national title for Georgia. Okay. There's like how many guys in our top 25 are about to drop here? Do you think Georgia also would have won the title with? Because I think it's probably like 10 or 12. Okay. That is the reason I think, like, one of the reasons it's so hard to go back to back to back is because eventually you lose that quarterback who's like a first round pick, you know? Stetson is a really good college player, but he's not irreplaceable talent-wise. And it's Georgia. They're, this very well could be the best Georgia team coming up that, that, with the level they recruited. They had four freshmen on the field for the last drive against Ohio State. Like there's, they, they relied on a lot of young guys. They're going to fix their receiver problem, if you want to call it a problem. They just went to the portal to, to get the, the, the leading receiver in the SEC. They just took from Missouri, and they also got Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi State. I think Carson Beck will be more than capable for them. And if they didn't think he was, they'd go out and and get a portal quarterback. Uh, they also have some other options behind him. I, I think they're in a, a tier on themselves until proven otherwise. That's where I think they've taken over the mantle from Bama because we used to talk about them that way. And Bama has to kind of show us that they're back in there. They might say, hey, we're there too. The great part about this, we're about to find out what life after Stetson Bennett is like, right? I... Because I did see some people pushing back. We did the how many teams would trade for Stetson Bennett. I agree with everything you're saying, bud. They will have a more talented quarterback. Jake Fromm was like, he was just a guy too. And he had three picks against South Carolina. Cost, you know, like you, it's, and even if it's a first year starter, there's some experience factor. Like, do you have a game where you just lay an egg that could cost your team? I think that's there. The reason I think they should be on a tier all by themselves. How about the schedule? I, mean, I sent out a thing uh, earlier this year. It was like Georgia will have the early, uh, the easiest road to back-to-back championships of anybody. And I might follow it up, retweet it, and say the easiest road to a three-peat, especially considering what's happening at uh, Florida. You know what's happening at some of these others. Kentucky wasn't that great this year. Ole Miss, one of their crossover games. Like who knows how good they really are after limping into the finish of the season. No Oklahoma. That game canceled, so their non-conference is a complete cakewalk. Like Tennessee and Knoxville, that's going to be their their kind of one big game in the regular season again. They're number one. Oh. They're going to be number one, yeah. and they will be number one next season. But going back to the, the replacing Stetson thing, here's here's an interesting question I have for you guys because you brought up Jake Fromm, Danny. Jake Fromm went in the fifth round, pick 167 to the Buffalo Bills. Does Stetson Bennett get drafted before that or after that? Before. Say, I, yeah, think I, after. Think, I think after. You before. think before? Yeah. I think that he's going to get into those interviews – and the teams are going to really like him. And I also think he's going to test better, like athletically, than most people understand because we've talked about it. One of the reasons Georgia is where Georgia is right now is because of its development. It's not just getting the talent, it is developing it both mentally and physically. Stetson Bennett has developed physically alongside every single other player on that roster. He's not the same kid he was coming out of high school. He's not the walk on. He's, I mean, you he's, could talk about, you could talk yeah. about his size. 
but Bryce Young is no bigger than he is, and Bryce Young might be the first pick in the draft. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think that his ability, his mobility, his decision-making, his athleticism, his intangibles, I think somebody is going to fall in love with him. So I, I actually have a bet on this, on what he will run at the Combine. I, at, at Under Armour, I was talking to some of our Georgia guys, and I won't name who, uh, but he's like, all right, Stetson is going to run under a 4-6. Yeah. I was like, Come uh, on, no chance at the combine. On the combine Maybe it is pro day. Zero chance you. at the combine. So I have, I have, I have four six one or worse. Can I, mean, I get when on you that? See him, when you see him, like when he took off against, in, in, when he takes off in game, that dude is fast. He's faster than most of the other guys on the field. Well, I know he can go. Like, like I mean, clearly, like he's not going to run a four nine, but like no. he he can really go. But four six on the actual four combine six might be a bit much. Yeah. Fast, fast. Like that's mm-hmm. like these guys that move to receiver, you know. So I've I've got Stetson Bennett going earlier than Jake Fromm, and the reason is because of Todd Munkin. I think that Todd Munkin is going to prepare him for those interviews because Georgia runs an NFL defense. Mm-hmm. And to use Kirby Smart Kirby Smart's own words, is like now when Stetson goes to the NFL, he's not gonna be talking like quote, he's got marbles in his mouth. Like he's he's going to come out there and he's going to have a full command of all of these pro concepts. When you combine with his record as a starting quarterback, I, I can't say I can't say what he's going to run. I'm not, I'm not I don't have the good eye for I, I don't know why I don't have a good eye for athleticism. Being such an elite athlete myself, but I do think that for what we've heard from uh, Georgia's coaches and from people around the Georgia program, like he's. He's going to be able to impress NFL coaches with his understanding of NFL concepts from running an NFL offense. Mm-hmm. I think he goes earlier than Jake Fromm. Can we clarify one thing on the George, like on how we're doing this? Because Georgia's not a great example for this because it's like whether you're doing power ratings or projections, Georgia's going to be number one, right? But like, how did you guys handle two through 25? Are you like, hey, this is how I think it'll finish? No, or I don't look like at the best 25 teams on a neutral field. Closer to best 25 teams on a neutral field. I'm not trying to guess where you finish in terms of like your record or your schedule a little bit more. Oh, I didn't, I didn't power rate them. Like as far as a, you know, how they're rating gambling wise, I just did where I think these teams will finish in the rankings next year. And I kind of mostly broke, like I have them in an order, but I've really got it in five tiers. Yeah. Same. So how many teams are in the top? You said Georgia's a tier unto itself. Georgia is the first tier. I've got Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan, and then I draw a line. That's my second tier. No USC in that tier? No, definitely no God, USC no. in that tier. I've got four um, teams that I would like start to look at before I get to Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Lincoln Riley, and the Pac-12 runner-up, and the Cotton Bowl runner-up, USC Trojans. I I'm have... Like, uh, What are we calling the next tier? Like, If things go right, they can win the natty? They're so like, is it, there's no debate about play, Alabama, right? Ohio State, Michigan, right? Like those, those are the next. Like, but yeah, doesn't matter if Tim Harbaugh Penn State, LSU, Texas are the other three. I think if if everything breaks right, they could they could take them down. I'm with you on Penn State and LSU. I'm still being mean about Texas. I'm so sorry. I'm so Same. I'm so sorry. I'm still being so mean about Texas. Texas is in my fifth tier. Some of these Texas things too. Has, I mean. In, and you bud alluded to it like how are somebody said how are we how are we treating Michigan because some this could change dramatically if Harbaugh takes the Broncos job like that to me is a massive difference it also like when I think about USC the fact that he's bringing Alex Grinch back tells me that he's going to have more talent on the defensive side of the ball just like he addressed the defensive side or the offensive side of this ball this past year so that's like I also have to you have to consider the competition maybe not even the schedule but the fact that they're probably going to have a good chance to win the Pac-12 I don't. I'm more bullish on USC. Maybe it's because I was so down on them this year. I'm surprised. I don't think they're going anywhere. I've got USC closer to Florida State. Yep. Where you're not so, bud. Florida State not in the tier with Penn State or LSU or Texas. Well, if you like, I I think Florida State has much more certainty than some of those teams, but I don't think they have the upside to to win a national title. Like, none of Florida State's offensive linemen would start on Georgia, right? The guy there were until I was extremely excited, like like Fabian Lovett would play at Georgia, but he wouldn't start. Verse would start. None of the none of the guys in the second year. Well, the corner for Virginia might. Like there's just a there, I think Florida State's extremely well coached on offense and they have a lot of good college players. But like we talked about with TCU, they don't have a lot of dudes who project like first round. So I have Florida State where do I have them? Uh 
I have them eighth. So they're like the top of that next tier. I think they're a very live team to make the playoff, but I don't know about the upside overall with the next level athletes. Yeah, I guess like I could break down my tiers as Georgia playoff favorites. And then the third tier is teams that can get to a playoff. I don't think they're going to win a national title, but they could, you know, get a playoff berth in the fourth team or they could, you know, get that. And then the fourth tier is teams I consider like conference contenders for the most part, also including Notre Dame. And then the fifth tier is just these are good teams and they'll probably be ranked. So that one tier that gets the playoffs, that's like they could get beat 65 to seven. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What do you do with TCU? They're in my fourth tier. I've got them in the 11 to 14 bucket outside of the top 10, but like have been so impressed with sort of what the, what the new staff has done that I'm creating a high floor, even after losing Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, like incredibly important players. I'm, I'm still going to give them a pretty high, pretty high floor just based on what we saw this season. I've here's here's a fun little question for you guys. I've got him in the fourth tier. I've got him at 13. I don't know. I don't think they're going to finish at number 13 next year, just to be blunt. Um, but TCU went from five and seven to the playoff. What would you put the chances at TCU going from title game to five and seven? The, who's the non con? They get Colorado, right? Correct. Have, yeah. With Oklahoma SMU, State home like this a year. Smoking, is a smoking crater. SMU lost Mordecai. I'm just trying to think of like like how many guaranteed wins in my head and then like how many coin flips. Right? We've got Colorado, Nichols, and SMU in the non-con. And the it's big three wins. Project that, like, that's like, yeah. like 2.55. Mm-hmm. Okay. Round up to three. But, I mean, I'd I, be very shocked if they went two and seven in Big Ten play. Like, yeah, I'm asking it not in the context that I think that's what's going to happen. I just think that there is, it's not a non-zero chance. And when you typically think of teams that reach the playoff, like, have we had any of them fall off that badly the next season and miss a bowl game? I feel like if there's a, this would be the team with the best chance. Maybe that Washington team a few years ago had a decent chance, but I feel like this one would be the quote-unquote favorite to be the first. But if, so in the five and seven season, there were close losses. Like there were, there yeah, were, there were close wins this year. And then in, in the uh, 12 and two campaign from this year, there were seven close wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that imagining that we're going to go all the way back to five and seven is highly, highly, highly unlikely. Okay. Well then how, what, what would you put the odds that TCU doesn't finish next season ranked in the final CFP top 25? Like 45%. It's, it's a high number, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I or does anybody? Am I the low man on TCU? I've, I've got them between eleven and fourteen. I've got them sitting a, around with Utah, Oregon, and Tulane. I've got them at thirteen, like I said, but they're in that tier where it's like this team could win its conference next year, but I think that's probably the ceiling. Yeah, and like you got to be down on the Big Twelve, right? I mean, it's going to depend on Texas. And Chip, you and I are very much in the anti-Texas boat right now, just on principle. But because of like what Kansas State and TCU did, well, like the the Big Twelve, like Kansas, Kansas beat Arkansas, Texas Tech blew out Ole Miss. I mean, I, I'm down on the Arkansas, Big Twelve. Well, being, Arkansas won that game. Arkansas. Won. Oh, sorry. Kansas I understand that Arkansas is such a like heaping like tire fire right now that you just assume that they lost their bowl game, but they did end up winning after that collapse. It it is the idea that the big 12 conference has taken on this role where we all season love it more than all the other conferences because of how awesome it is. But then when you get into the postseason and all of these teams, like, like Oklahoma's close loss to Florida state was one of the most impressive big 12 bowl performances that we had when your close loss is like one of the best bowl performances. I think it's a, a fair a fair take to be like the big 12 did not meet expectations in the postseason across the board. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, for yeah, the first time in a while, because I know Jordan always chimes in. What about Tennessee? What about the Vols? I mean, we haven't said the Vols yet. And they, they could be just as good at quarterback, at least physically gifted wise. I think they'll get better defensively. I can't get much worse. Where do you have the Vols? <laughs> they are better at quarterback physically gifted. Yeah, these guys got a cannon. It's mentally and accuracy. 
Like, there's no like, Georgia has the most physically, or excuse me, Tennessee has the most physically gifted quarterback in the SEC mm-hmm. in terms of like the ability to flick the ball 75 yards. I mean, talk to any of the coaches, even on Clemson, who are watching this kid throw the ball in warmups for the Orange Bowl. I mean, he, he's, he's chucking it like 75 yards in the air. It, it, well, listen, Joe Milton is a freak listen, of freaks. Tennessee's did not spend all of Christmas break trying to teach their parents and uncles how to pronounce I am Ileva for him not to start, okay? <laughs> Tennessee fans have been working so hard to make sure they get this pronunciation down. The man's going to start by the end of the season. He's too talented. I've got Tennessee in the 18 to 24. They are without a doubt deserving of a top 25 spot, but I'm not slotting them ahead of some of the teams in like the top 15 because of the importance of the players that are going to be gone from last year's roster. Well, we are on the subject. Well, we are on the subject of Tennessee and it's super arm quarterback, Joe Milton and Nico. I am Did I say it right? Yeah. Um, I am Yeah. There we go. Cool. Uh, can I just go on a side rant about how annoyed I was? They they released the video and it was cool. I get it. Tennessee's going to the Orange Bowl, so they showed Joe Milton throwing an orange 100 yards, right? And it's cool, whatever. It goes viral. The football throwing 75 yards is far more impressive than throwing an orange 100 yards. There are plenty of outfielders who could throw a baseball 100 yards. It's not that big of a deal, but anyway, yeah. Just sorry that when I saw really that everybody throw, was like, an orange 100 yards." Yeah, but it's that's not. It's really only 300 not feet. That impressive, yeah. Right, it's you like, could throw oh, from okay. the catchers, yeah, yeah. but you could throw yeah. it like I played with guys. You could throw it over 400 feet. You know, yeah, I could throw baseball. 300 feet when I was in high school. I could throw a baseball yeah. 300 feet. So it was not like I'm like if I can do that, it's really not that impressive to me. Is but the, everybody thought it was super cool. Well, can yeah. can we peel back? Um, can we peel back some of the layers on uh, on the the good LSU feelings? Because that's that's your long shot title pick. Like if you want to go find like an eighteen to one or a nineteen to one, twenty to one national championship ticket for next season and snap it up, I think I think LSU might be as one of the better options that you might have there. What are the? It's it's not the bowl game performance specifically. What is it about LSU that is encouraging or reason why we seem to have them all in the top ten and why they might be popular dark horse picks next year? So talented. You go. The youth along the line of scrimmage growing up, right? Like they started two true freshman tackles this year. Those guys are probably both NFL guys and are, are going to be even better in their second year. Brian Kelly was a first-year coach. Now he knows his roster a lot better. He's a proven winner. Two options at quarterback. Like I think Nussmeyer might be just as good or better than, than Daniels. Malik Neighbors really came on second half of the season. Taylor, the tight end. Uh, they get Mason Smith back. Remember, like that's probably the best player on their whole team. And he got hurt on the first drive of the FSU game. That's like a first round Jalen Carter type ability kid. I mean, he was number one recruit in the country on some services. Basically, everybody had him at least top five or top 10. You know, secondary, they're doing a really nice job in the transfer portal as well. And the overall athleticism on that team is, again, like we're talking, I I might pick Florida State to beat them in week one. But if you're if we're talking ceilings, like if everything goes right, do they have the dudes that don't look out of place when they warm up on the same field against a Georgia? LSU does fit in that category to where you can make the case if everything breaks right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say it boils down to having a lot of talent today, good coach and a good veteran quarterback. I think that if you look at, I mean, they played, I think they exceeded expectations by quite a bit this year. And I think that's just a testament to Brian Kelly. We were, we were all spending so much time in the off season, making fun of his accent that we forgot. He's kind of pretty good at the whole being a football coach thing. And um, still lost A&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like who does everybody have A&M ranked? No, 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 I do. Oh, with the, that, the, the, guys are, back end. the guys are losing to the portal are all the guys that I think in our heads were like, oh, that guy could be a problem. That guy could be a problem. Like, not the dudes. It was like, okay, like, you know, kid that is mature, doesn't cause problems at, at, at events, things like that. Like, th- they're holding on to the guys that I think are the dudes who profile as, like, guys who will handle their business, make it to the NFL. You know, some of the dudes that they're losing are, like, guys that have to be ranked really highly as recruits because you look like an idiot if you don't make the kid who's 6'6", 280, and runs 4'8", a five-star, right? But it's not surprising based on the other non-physical factors that some of these guys are, are leaving. But, like, I like the guys that they're keeping quite a bit. See, my, my 2020... I, like I mean, I and I, I have them in the back end, too. 
I mean, we know the roster is going to be talented. We've all thought, man, if they got a fresh set of eyes on the offense, they got it. Like DJ Durkin's one of the great, you know, better defensive corners. Like if it goes right and they catch some momentum, that's why I think they could be this year's TCU. See, I my my 2023 offseason uh which new year's resolution is i'm staying away from the hype beast programs i'm not going to fall for it again like texas i've got them in my fifth tier texas a&m i could have put in my fifth tier i guess miami i could put in my fifth tier if i really wanted to but i'm no i'm just staying the hell away from them not until they actually prove it am i going to start getting behind them again do you know what's really nasty is that i considered putting iowa in ahead of texas a&m Iowa is in mine ahead of Texas. I mean, like I have Iowa like twenty six. Yeah, like I, I've got a level of consistency in all these other areas, and I am adding a significant upgrade at the quarterback position in Cade McNamara, and that's where some balance. Like to answer your early question, Bud, about the you know how do you approach this? Is this true power rating? Is this how you think it's going to finish? Is this like schedule into consideration? I do need some certainty. You know, like I can't. Say, all right, like I know that this is going to be a delicious um, at the end of this. And at least with Iowa, I feel like I've got those base ingredients that are going to make sure that it's going to be good. And if they do get some good play out of Cade McNamara, that'll go over the top. Like Quinchon Judkins being at Ole Miss, I'm like, well, they're probably still going to be really good at running the football. Like I'm, I'm not going to put Ole Miss higher than 19, but I've got them in that sort of back end of the top 25 at this point. Um, yeah, I have him 24. Like UTSA, you, you got to give Frank Harris some love, mm-hmm. you know, throw, throw a team that's won all of these games over the last couple of years. Those to me are teams that I am going to put on my way too early top 25 ahead of Texas A&M just because there's at least some little bit of certainty while acknowledging for the purposes of discussion. Yeah, if it all works out, Texas A&M, can lose spectacularly in the college football playoff semifinal. Am I insane to have USC fourth in the Pac-12? No. No. Yes. <laughs> because you got like Oregon, Utah, Washington, and Utah. Where do you have the other three? Because we haven't well, talked I about have. Washington. We haven't talked about Utah, who's got Cam Rising coming back now. Oregon with Bo Nix mount. Like, there's some good teams in the big mm-hmm. uh, coming back in the Pac-12. You have Oregon nine, Utah ten. Uh, and Washington 13, USC 14. 14 is, might be low, but not far off. I mean, the they Pac- kept Alex Grinch. I, I, Are you thinking Caleb Madison Williams is, is opting out or something? Like, what? We just like, because he was the reason no, they like, were I, so good I this think, year, and he's coming I back. I think they were about like, I think they were like three wins lucky this year. Well, you know, or like, three like, wins Caleb Williams. <laughs> well, but. Ke- yeah, but Caleb, mm, some of those defensive turnovers are are luck, right? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to see more out of that defense. I want to see them take some more proven guys in the transfer portal on defense. Like it's nice to get Anthony Lucas, but it wasn't like A and M's missing him, right? That he wasn't an impact guy. He's, he's he's a potential guy, but do I trust USC to get it out of him right now? No, I, I'm not convinced they're going to play good defense. I've got USC in my five to ten tier right I've now. Got, I've got them in the second tier or the third tier. Yeah, five to eleven is where I have the, how many teams I have in that tier because of Caleb Williams, and that is the one thing. It's like you have if you have the best quarterback in the country, you can get some crap done. And, and Lincoln's I, I, good. Like we like Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal offensive coach. And I don't think USC is going to have a great defense next year, but I do think it will improve over what they had this year. So. I look at the Pac-12, I think it's going to be kind of a meat grindery in that there are four legitimate teams in that conference who can win it. Oregon State could be a pain in the butt. UCLA could still be a pain in the butt to go with those four. Like, they could play spoiler still pretty easily. So I could see USC being the fourth best team in the Pac-12. I can also see USC being in the college football playoff. Yeah. And that's a compliment to the teams at the top of the Pac-12, the way that we're looking at them right now. Did Oregon State... And make uh, top 25? Yeah, they're in my fifth tier. Where do you guys have Notre Dame? I've got them in 15 to 17. What about you? I had them at 12. 14. Tied with Tennessee. Yeah. 
Yeah, that uh, Sam Hartman, yay. He's going to be really interesting because he's really talented, but he also really was – I mean, that system is extremely unique, what they were mm-hmm. doing at Wake Forest with him, and he really excelled within that system, made some really – I mean, he was phenomenal towards Florida State, but it, like when they do that that hold and the hold rides, it rides, it rides it to the last very second and then flips it out over the top, you get some – pretty good wide open looks and he had great wide receivers at wake i'll be curious like clearly the experience i mean clearly it's an upgrade of what they had and it's a position where they don't have to worry about it now i just wonder if the upside is okay now you know national championship contender or they're 10 and 2 as opposed to 9 and 3 yeah see th- those are that. My, my, those are my two biggest questions with hartman at notre dame is that the system. Like, I don't think Sam Hartman is some sort of slow mesh system creation. Like, I still think he'll be a pretty good quarterback without it, but he has to learn the new offense, and that could be a problem. And all, But I think the bigger thing is, like you said, there is no A.T. Perry at Notre Dame right now. Who is that guy? Who is there? Like, they've lost Mayer to the draft. So you look at that receiving core, you look at that tight end core, I think there are guys who could step up. It's just there are questions at those spots where – it's hard to just assume. Okay, they've got that. Notre Dame's going to be really good. I've got them at fourteen in the thir- in the fourth tier. So it's happening again. Tom, Tom's going to get us a one star rating on Apple Podcasts by that Notre Dame fan that thinks that thinks their their receivers in some like alternate universe that exists are actually good. And and who was the, who was the guy that you said was a big deal? And then they said it wasn't Avery a big Davis. deal. Avery and Davis. Stanford and UNLV and those teams played man to man with no help and and mm-hmm. Marshall and just like totally disrespected Notre Dame and just wasn't a big deal. Stuff. Wasn't a big Not deal. A big they deal. had the best offensive line and defensive line in the country. It wasn't going to matter. So start the, the year off right. The two sides of this for Sam Hartman are number one. I do agree that the wide receivers, especially at the top end are better at wake forest, maybe the whole daggum room. But then number two, the run game is better at Notre Dame. The yes. offensive line is better yes. at Notre Dame. It might All the, not, I mean, it a might lot of other slow mesh, but like the way defenses have to respect the ground game at Notre Dame is different than the way that they would play the ground game at Wake Forest. So it's like there's definitely some give and take there where it might not need to be the slow mesh, but the idea that this guy is great at making reads based on the run-pass option and the way a defense reacts, you can build that into a Notre Dame offense against defenses that are very concerned about what Notre Dame can do to you on the ground. So like, I could see it being kind of somewhat translatable. I mean, is it kind of – I mean, Ian Book – was a good like good college quarterback wasn't great i think that's kind of like your floor of what you're hoping to get and if he's better than that it's just all upside but ian book took him what two playoff games Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i mean like there you go uh anybody go ahead no no, well i'm just saying like Hartman's about the best Notre Dame could have done in this transfer portal class because pratt went back to tulane harris went back to utsa like Hudson That's, Card was the other guy I think they were really interested in. It might have taken him possibly then, over the, Hartman. No. Oh. No? Mm. I'll talk about I think that they, if they wanted him, they would have taken him. Like they, they yeah. waited on Hartman. They had a chance to get him. Yeah. Have y'all seen? But I think the, they probably like liked him. Yeah, they liked I, my understanding. They liked Card, but once they kind of that's remember, I was dropping hints on here. I mean, it wasn't exactly a well kept secret in the community about Notre Dame was waiting for a certain somebody to finish his season. Like I feel like once they understood that was going to happen, they kind of backed off card. Did did you all see the uh, the meme, the Patrick Bateman uh, transfer quarterback meme? You know the scene in American Psycho where everybody's pulling out their uh, their cards, you know, and like laying them on the table to see who who's got the most impressive little business mm-hmm. card. Except somebody like edited in all the um, the transfer quarterbacks, and so. It's- <laughs> Hudson card and then you're pulling out <laughs> this one and then the final like uh the penultimate one was dropping the same Hartman and, and Notre Dame was like oh <laughs> <laughs> the best you could do according to uh, the American Psycho meme was that uh, was definitely going to be um is Sam Hartman coming from Wake Forest now landing at Notre Dame uh anybody else near the back half so we talked a little bit we talked about the Pac-12 TCU top tier um, Where do you guys have Clemson? Yeah, very edge of the five to ten, like li- literally listed last. You could talk me into putting them into eleven to fourteen, but they've got Tyler Davis coming back. I mean, they've got a, a decent collection of dudes coming back next year. So I'll, I've got them at the very end of the five to ten tier. 
13. 13? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I want to see changes on the offensive staff. I, I, I don't like that. They just seem so stale to me. But does Jeff they, Scott do it for you? Because that's not exactly like mixing things up. Is Jeff Scott announced back to Clemson yet? No, I was just saying, sure would, it, would it? No, it would not. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I respect Jeff Scott, like his receiver coaching quite a bit, but also, I don't really classify Jeff Scott as an outside voice. That's Correct. been my main complaint is they just, you know, the Dabo of five or six years ago would have gone and got Zach Kitley, right? Like they would have got like that. Remember he went and got Chad Morris, you know, it, it, it's, that's the kind of like, that's what got Clemson to where they were in addition to just hitting on two generationally good quarterbacks. But they, Dabo was like, I'm going to go out and get a Brent Venables, right? To, to make this a guy from outside the program came in. He's a killer. Dabo was never a scheme guy, right? Nobody really wants him involved in play calling or design of the offense. He was always a recruiter, rah-rah, hype man vibes, okay? And then instead of going out and getting like a young hotshot OC, they're promoted from within, not bringing in new voices. I Look, Clemson could easily return to the top 10. Maybe, maybe you know, Cade is the truth at quarterback, but I do want to see some outside voices there. Yeah, Dabo, you don't have to make any deep fakes like George do. I I have you in my fourth tier at number fifteen. Like you can win the ACC, right? Because the best team in the ACC might be between ten and fifteen. Mm-hmm. Do you guys well, have got, any other ACC teams ranked? Yeah, I've got uh, Florida North State. Besides FSU and UNC, or besides FSU oh. and Clemson, any other ACC teams? I have yeah, UNC in the back end. Same. I got. I mean, Pitt again, kind of like the Caleb. I mean, much. Different, not as high, but Drake May coming back is huge. I mean, he he won a lot of games as coaching. Like, I just think they're terrible on defense, like coaching wise. But yeah, but when you're dealing with 18 to 24, you're dealing with imperfect teams, and that what you have that is absolutely excellent on one side of the ball sometimes can overcome your weakness on the other side. I think they're happy about their portal additions. Like they they feel like they've got an offense that's going to be able to go out there and put up ridiculous numbers again. He's got outscored. Had him twenty nine. I mean, so that's like anywhere from like like twenty to thirty five is is all just mm-hmm. throw it, you know, to me. Yeah, I have I have Pitt in my fifth tier. I hear they're getting into analytics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, shout out to Pitt. I was realizing today we, we got a new CBS. Our final CBS Sports one thirty one is running on the site right now. If you're watching this live, it should be posted soon. But they've won twenty games in the last two seasons. That's. Mm-hmm. That's more like he, Pat Narduzzi had not had a nine win season prior to last year. Everything was like big eight and five energy, you know, all the way through wins like 11 and three last year, nine and four this year, uh, coming back in that bowl win, even with like some of your like five out of your seven best players on the team, not in the game. That's, um, that's some impressive stuff in terms of the, the overall DNA, not a huge surprise, but 20 wins in two years is a, uh, it's pretty good. For North Carolina's uh, neighborhood, by the way, I've got them in that neighborhood with like an Oregon State, a UCLA, a UTSA, you know, teams that have like maybe one thing or a couple of one thing you like a lot, a couple of things you like a little bit, but still definitely a lot of question marks uh, as well. Yeah, I think if like just the ACC in general, I think if you're breaking that down into tiers, there's like you probably have to have FSU and Clemson as your top two. And then there's like eight teams in that third tier. (laughs) Yeah, like a pit. North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, NC State with Armstrong probably mm-hmm. is still pretty uh, still, like Dave Doran. You may not like aesthetically; it's not always the the most fun football to watch, but they do win a lot of ball games because they're well coached and their player dev is, is player development is pretty damn good. Nobody putting Louisville in any kind of. Oh, team. I don't think Louisville's Louisville in that, that third tier, category. Yeah. I yeah, got yeah. a team for you. We haven't mentioned what's that? Wisconsin, right yep. on the edge, fifth tier, twenty six, eighteen. Yeah. Got him at like 22. Wisconsin seems to be not messing around with the NIL stuff. Like Tom is going to be right, I think, about how Wisconsin's a better job than Nebraska. I'm going to be wrong. And mm-hmm. I thought Nebraska was because Nebraska's NIL is on point. Wisconsin is catching up in a hurry. Like, the only like question I'm, is going to lose this argument. The only question is, do they lose the locker room after they get like their seventh transfer quarterback? Because they've, they've gotten like 25% of the quarterbacks available in the portal so far this winter. <laughs> I mean that. Any anybody else we we want to hit? Um, a couple just I want to see if you guys ranked them. Uh, well, Pitt we already hit UNC, Oklahoma. Yeah, I've got them in the eighteen to twenty four bucket. 
Yep, fifth tier. Same. Did you keep Tulane in with Pratt? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've got Tulane 11 to 14. Oh, no, I've got them 20. Lower on that. Yeah, I've got them 24. They had to beat USC. They um, did, but they Texas lose a lot. Tech. They beat Kansas State. Yeah, but they lose a lot, and it's too late. It's like, I don't know if that's really a program that could, like, you know, rebuild or just reload. You know what I mean? Uh, Texas Spears Tech. Is, I, Spears is special, but Pratt is too. Oh, yeah. Pratt's great. Then yeah. keeping him is huge for them, and it's going to make sure that they are a favorite in the American. I just don't know if it's going to be New Year's Six Bowl, two lost season again. But Texas Tech is a really interesting one to me because I do feel like that is a team in the Big 12 next year that could be like the dark horse kind of team that appears in the Big 12 championship game. So that's going to be a really fun one to watch. UCLA. Yeah. 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 Without, I mean, UCLA, but 18 to 24. Mm-hmm. There's like high. 80 teams in my fifth tier. It's right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean UCLA is in the same place as an Oregon State. Yeah, I'm not ready to put them in the top tier of that Pac-12, but you're you're certainly putting them on the plus side of things in the conference. Yeah, and if like Dante Moore turns out to be that dude, like that's a team that could suddenly kind of join the fray for a Pac-12 title contention. And Colin Schley's not going to be bad. No, Oregon State is sort of that team to me that is just the early look at they will be too high in some ratings. I mean teams most typically stay within a certain historical range. Like we know what bad Oregon State looks like as a program. We know what good Oregon State looks like as a program. Like, some people having them ninth out there in their early stuff or 12th yeah. is a little bit much. Player. Oh, man. I mean, no, we don't need to call them out. Now I'm just going to go. I've got two way too early top 25s pulled up right now. Aren't you Obviously, like one of them after, being the Dodfather? After Dodd all the Christmas- has 15. All the criticism we've thrown like Clemson's offensive staff's way. Aren't you just a little interested to see what Jonathan Smith's going to do with DJU, though? Just like a little interested to see what's going to happen there? Yeah. Because I think we're going to see a pretty good version of DJU next year, which could make Oregon State like legit again. Um, What if he does have a good year? And what does Clemson do then? Like maybe that's what they need to see. I'm not sold on it yet. But I still, I still believe. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if Iowa announced announced the coaching changes, like or, okay, let me ask you this on Iowa: Are you baking in the coaching changes you expect to happen if you have them ranked, or are you waiting on them to actually to make those changes before you rank them? I'm going to wait on them to make those changes, but at the same time, if they do make those changes, what will the change be? Like, are you just swapping yeah. names in the same offense, or is it going to be like a change? Like Wisconsin is changing its offense. Right. <laughs> Illinois changed its offense. Is Iowa just changing the play caller if they even do it? Yeah, I don't know if the change is going to happen. I mean, did you see the offensive explosion in the bowl game? They had one touchdown. They got to the end zone on offense and scored. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were playing with their third string QV. Okay. Cut them some slack in that game. Hey, they won. They got they got us to the pay window. So there we go. All right. Coming up on the other side, a lot of conversation, both at the national championship game and at the coaches convention where Bud is right now, about the college football calendar. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey is uh, suggesting that we move the early signing period, maybe get rid of it. He wants a whole look at the calendar. What do we expect from some of that? Plus a few other headlines if we've got time. Next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast where uh, you know, we are going to be tracking one of the conversations through the offseason is about whether we are going to see some real shifts to uh, the recruiting, both recruiting out of high school ranks, recruiting in the transfer portal, because the, the coaches who... Originally, back in 2008, AFCA released a letter that said that they would like to have this early signing period. Now, as it has been put into practice, it is running up against uh, some of the most important time with the transfer portal window being open. It is running up against, uh, obviously, any kind of postseason preparation. The quote from Greg Sankey is, says he hears from our coach. Every single coach that I visited during the bowl season says, quote, we are getting crushed by all of these things happening at once. Um, but obviously let, let you sort of steer where this goes or, or what your expectation is, but it, ha, how do we navigate a new calendar uh, that would at least create some relief for these coaching staffs right now? Sure. So I, I, I saw what Greg Sankey said, and I was excited to see what the coaches would say about that here. I talked to some coaches you know, off, off to the side uh, about what they wanted and then um, you know, shout out to Todd Berry, by the way, who you know beat COVID and is doing much better and gave us an hour yesterday re- recapping the head coaching meeting. He's the president of the AFCA. He used to coach at ULM, so I'm glad Todd is, is feeling better. And he said that kind of the prevailing thought among the coaches there was that maybe moving early signing period up was a, an interesting option, perhaps for the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, it would just I think that they are kind of having to pay lip service to the high school coaches who are seeing a lot of the spots that used to go to their high school players get taken by transfer. So if you give the the high school recruits an earlier bite at the apple, maybe you get more high school kids signed and a little bit less of the transfer stuff. He also mentioned they did talk about potentially pushing it back and also maybe moving it up, you know, much earlier. Now they're not going to decide on this. It has to go. There's like you know, the, the Board of Governors, there's oversight, there's like six layers of NCAA bureaucracy, right? Everybody needs a job, I guess. Um, you know, it, it's it's very fed. The burden. Yeah, right. So, you know, I don't know what will happen with this, but I do think most coaches agree there's too much going on right now. And selfishly, as a media person, I also agree. The <laughs> NFL fi- finds a way to keep its name in the news at all times because they don't conduct their draft free agency and their Super Bowl on the same day, which is happening, you know, right now in our sport. Uh, But uh, that was an interesting discussion. I think we will probably have some sort of change doing it. What was it? Four days before Christmas this year, or Mm -hmm. it was really uh, very close. Um, That felt a little, a little strange. I also think that we will probably see if signing day gets moved up. I think you will also see the transfer window get moved up too. I think coaches think the tra- the actual window for transfers to take place is probably too long right now. Um, when did know. it so open? Basic- Wasn't it like the the fifth or the sixth? Then it goes till January eighteenth. We've it's still like, got another win, another seven days yeah. in the window. Yeah, it was like Correct. the day after the title games, right? The conference title games. And there's complications because the last day to declare for the draft is the sixteenth, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, maybe you have guys surprise leave for the draft, and then all of a sudden that school needs somebody. And that's certainly possible. Like, I, I didn't think Ohio State's center, Luke Weipler, was going to declare for the draft, but he did. So that may change things up there a little bit in Columbus. Uh, I, I, you know, I talked to one guy, and he, he put it pretty good. He's like, I don't care about any of the changes, man. Like, we get paid a lot of money to do this. It's my job to operate within this system, you know? Um, ultimately, like, if we want to keep all this money to ourselves, we're going to have to deal with some inconvenience. If we That's want to give Sonny us the money. Sonny, yeah, Sonny Dykes does a lot of yeah. that when he's talking about. But it wasn't Sonny games. Dykes because he wasn't here. Yeah, but, but like he yeah. just like, that's that's our job. You know, that's our job to adapt and, and figure it out. But you know what else Sonny said? He said, if you put them yeah. on contracts, 
he also said we have to protect ourselves from ourselves. He was like, we have to legislate in downtime. We have to adjust the calendar because we are so driven and so competitive that we need to leave time for us to be, you know, good husbands, good fathers, like actually be able to have a life outside of this. And so he didn't have any specific suggestions, but he was definitely saying like, we, we can't have all this stuff going on at once because now 18 hour days have become 20 hour days and it's all during the holiday season. I would push back signing period. Honestly, like I don't have any problem with how we used to do it. Now it was all fakery from these coaches, to be honest. Okay. Like the, and I, I love a lot of these coaches I talked to. I, I think they're mostly great dudes, but the reasoning given initially was BS. They had said, oh, these kids have their minds made up. They don't want to have to wait to sign. The real reason was coaches didn't want to have to babysit their mm -hmm. verbal commits over Christmas and New Year's, right? Like that was the reason. They wanted to get these kids locked in and then enjoy their holiday. Now with transfer, they're not able to really enjoy their holiday like they would like to. So my thought is like we used to do it. If you have your credits done, enroll early. Cool. If you don't, wait till February. You also get more clarity as a high school kid on where the coaches will be. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I asked Todd Barry, like, hey, if you were to have a, a June or July or, or August signing period for high school, you'd have to have provisions for coaches leaving, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think so. But then he said the high school coaches are really worried that the best players would opt out of their senior year of high school. Oh, they're already signed. Which you do see some in high school baseball, yes. right? Like people don't pay attention to it, but like I, one of my buddies is baseball. And whatnot, like, yep. Yes. Yeah. Like if you know after summer showcase season that you are a stud stud and like a first round pick in, in high school baseball, you're probably not throwing 140 innings. Mm. What do y'all want to see? What do you what, like? What, what would you like to see? I mean, selfishly? Yeah. I mean, the NFL, I think that's what Sankey's looking at, too, how much they own the calendar. You space things out for guys like us. And if, if signing day was back to February, imagine how much more content we'd have in February when it gets a little dicey. You know, same thing, like have a transfer portal window that's smaller, tighter, that is gets more exposure signing day. You know, and don't forget about the coaches carousel, which happened. You know, like there's just you can you can own a lot more and get more exposure if you do spread it out as opposed to like you're saying it's everything is condensed down in this tight window and like we have days we can't even fit it all in our rundown like we're, how do we talk about all this because there's so much going on yeah I, I know i've often railed against this sport trying to be too much like the nfl this is the area where it should be trying to be like the nfl you should be spacing this stuff out as much as possible for to keep your sport like it's selfish for us and our aspect of keeping the content going and giving us stuff to talk about, but it's also good for the sport in general. Like, why are you expanding the playoff? You're chasing revenue. Another way to increase revenue, make sure people have a reason to talk about you all year long. So I think that the, whether you move it back and get rid of the early signing period altogether, or you just move the early signing period to a different time where it's not lost in a sea of everything else that is happening. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know what the perfect solution is, but kind of going along with Bud, what you were saying earlier about what that one coach said to you, like coaches I've talked to about this, there are typically two responses. There's the, it is what it is. And there's the, I hate this. Nobody loves it. Some people are just right. willing to deal with it. Well, I asked Todd, I said, all right, hey man, like, you know, he, and he was really gracious his time. And I appreciate it. I said, when we all get around as media, I'm sure we complain about things about our job. Like, what of this stuff do you actually think you can get done? And what of this stuff is just, hey, here's coaches complaining about, about the aspects of their job they don't like. And he's like, well, it's my job to make sure we get it all done. And some of the stuff he proposed, or not he, but he was just echoing what the coaches want. They want a national transparent database of what everybody's making in NIL. And I was like, do we expect to have one for coaches so I can see what Nick and Dion make from Aflac? Aflac. <laughs> yeah. He's, so, you know, like, but I do think the signing period, given how much time we spent talking about it, is something that there will probably be a, a longer discussion about getting it moved. I don't know in which direction it will move, but I do think they want some changes made for that. I think July, but I hadn't considered the high school coach implication of that. Mm -hmm. And I thought July because I'm talking to, you know, some of these programs that have 12 early enrollees, you know? They've got like five or six guys that even get to join for the bowl practices and like mm -hmm. come be a part of the program right away. That 
that would be t- that would be different. I think if we only had the February signing period, because there would be there would be some babysitting over the holidays. So, I, or at least some competition, right? Like for example, SEC program goes to get a new head coach. The new head coach has access to a big NIL war chest. There's a commit who seems like they're all set to go somewhere. They're like, yeah, coach, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Then they might come even in. have their apartment leased already. Might even have their apartment leased already. And then all of a sudden they splash in and, and get taken away. If that guy would have had an opportunity to sign in July, then maybe that, I don't know. It'll be interesting to, uh, to, see, how, to see how that goes. But moving it, moving it a month earlier, like, would you say, like, maybe the Wednesday after, like, Wednesday of conference championship week? Would that essentially be what you were talking about? Like, after Thanksgiving, yeah. right before conference championship? Yes, that that's uh, that, that's what they're talking about. Well, that could do that. That might be a little bit better. We'll see. Yeah. And then um, transfer portal window opens right after that. Then you would have your numbers set, and you would have a different approach to the portal, too. I would also like to see transfer portal window opened up during the season. No, no, and here's my if we're going to be firing coaches on Halloween, kids should be able to hit the portal on Halloween too, so they can start finding their new destination. So that's the other thing to think, though, too. Like, if we get rid of the early signing period and just push it back to February, we might not be seeing nearly as many coaches fired in uh, before Halloween. Mm. Because that's play. That's been one of the you know unintended consequences of the early signing day. It's you're seeing programs pull the trigger a lot sooner, so that way they could try to get somebody in. And I also feel like that kind of like that kind of impacts your pool of available candidates because programs and athletic directors are feeling rushed to get a guy in before the signing day, so they can keep this class intact. And maybe they're not really having enough time to interview the best possible candidates. They're just kind of taking who's available. Very good. interesting. Uh, good stuff that we will obviously be continuing to follow. Of recruiting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Is this, Are we? Has, uh, this, has this popped? No, not yet. But okay. uh, I think the the news is that it hasn't popped, right? I mean, Jaden Rashada uh, still not enrolled, or at least not announced as enrolled at Florida. Top quarterback uh, Jacob Redner from our Gators twenty four seven site, Swamp two four seven, does a tremendous job. Came over from our Arizona State site. Uh, works with, with Blake Alderman there. Uh, good morning. Here's what I've got for you right now, and hopefully there will be more known later today. I've heard there's a better chance at this moment that Rashada enrolls before the ad drop deadline than not, as Florida and the Rashada family have moved closer to a possible resolution over the last 24 hours. It doesn't mean it's solved, nor does it mean it will be solved. Uh, He's listed in the student directory, but that does yes. not necessarily mean he is enrolled, but rather accepted based on completing his high school academics. So, like, not being enrolled. Uh, yeah, the academic stuff. Here, here's the rest of this post. Um, as Blake said, it sounds like this could be an issue of details rather than not having this necessary funds to pay the kid. Uh, but to reiterate, the second portion of, of his post, information has been a real struggle to come by, and a lot of what we're reporting uh, on for the reasons for the hangup are murky and somewhat speculative. Uh Again, we know this. Rashada remains unenrolled at the time of me writing this, this 9.50 a.m. Eastern. And the reason has absolutely nothing to do with his transcript, no matter how hard people try to indicate that it is. Recruiting is wild now. Like, <laughs> this is... All right, so let's... Uh, remember let's, remember what Rick George said after they hired Dion? We'll figure out the money later. Uh-huh. I Looks like somebody's so still... Right here and Tom. Huh? <laughs> But has gone, but lost us. But no, I just, you think back to what Rick George said about, we'll, we'll worry about finding the money later. Uh, maybe Florida's still worrying about some stuff. So do you, do you think that Jaden Rashada is on the Florida Gators football roster for 2023? Yeah. Yeah. This, no, this, no, I have no reason to think that, but yeah. <laughs> okay. But do you have us? Oh no, we've lost him. Yep. I got him back. Okay. All right. We'll, All right. We'll, we'll go out on this. Do you think Jaden Rashada is on the Florida Gators 2023 roster at the beginning of fall camp? Yes. Okay. So interesting, but we will get this re- resolved. At least uh, it, it appears to, to be headed that way. But yeah, as of this morning, not enrolled at Florida. Um, details. <coughs> details. 
getting getting worked out. Um, do we have Do we have the uh, Do we have the clip from Rounders? <laughs> Not preloaded. Hey, next next, next time next time request it, and we'll uh, we'll we'll have it ready. All right. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott Three. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.